Hello everyone, welcome to the Lighthouse Church Sermon Broadcast. The title of today's message is a question. Why not me? Jesus came to earth on a mission. He made it very clear, we find it recorded by Luke, Luke chapter 19 and verse 10. I'll read all texts from the NIV. The Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. And Jesus is still on the same mission. He made it clear in his final instructions to his disciples what many now call the Great Commission. Matthew chapter 28 from verse 18. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always, to the very end of the age. So Jesus continues his mission to seek and to save the lost through this process of disciple making. Jesus himself made disciples, and then he commanded those disciples to do the same thing. As those first disciples obeyed Jesus, they made disciples who they taught to obey everything that Jesus had commanded. So those disciples also made disciples, and their disciples also made disciples. This strategy of disciple makers making disciple makers is absolute genius. Now, we shouldn't be surprised, should we, seeing that it's God's idea. But I say that it's genius because I marvel at it. Because when we make disciples who make disciples, two things happen. The first is fairly obvious. More disciples of Jesus are made. But the second is where we find the genius. Disciples are made at a faster and faster rate. This is because... More and more disciples are making disciples. And that's genius. This genius of Jesus' strategy of disciple making was powerfully demonstrated in the life of the church in the first two and a half centuries. In spite of severe persecution and extremely limited resources, the church grew exponentially faster and faster until roughly half of the Roman Empire was converted, and then the emperor himself was saved. But tragically, the church then slowly began to lose sight of their primary mission and commission. The focus began to shift away from Jesus' command to make disciples and onto things like church buildings and developing the church as an organization. Soon, two classes of Christians emerged. One was called the clergy, priests, bishops and popes, people like that. And the other category was the laity, the so-called ordinary believers. The clergy became the ministers, and the laity became the members. As this separation became more and more established, the average believer became more and more passive. 
a small minority of the Christian community became responsible for the mission. And the majority of the community just took their seats in the pews and the benches. But friends, the Bible is very clear. There is only one class of Christian. We are all called to be active. Listen to 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 9. You, now the original Greek word there is plural, you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. This letter and these words were addressed to the whole church. All members of the church are part of the royal priesthood of Jesus. Yes, some priests serve as elders, others serve as deacons, but all are priests. We are a holy nation, a kingdom of priests, and every citizen in this kingdom is called to minister to others. We are a royal priesthood. For quite some time now, there's been an awakening in the church. More and more leaders are preaching messages about the priesthood of all believers. But it's hard to undo the division that has been accepted for so long. Many people still see themselves as ordinary members and their leader as the minister or the priest. It has taken a long time to see the established church change, to see members being mobilized. In more recent years, the genius of disciple-making has been given more attention, and churches are rediscovering what it means to be a disciple-maker. At Lighthouse, as in many other churches, we have been taught about the priesthood of all believers. We have been taught about the Great Commission and that genius of disciple-making. But we are still learning how to put it into practice. Many of us are still in that place where we're leaving the Great Commission in the hands of a few people, usually those who we regard as specially gifted ones. Many of us are still passive. We have heard the message, but we have not yet put it into practice. Many of us still need to hear these words of Jesus. Luke chapter 6 from verse 46. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? As for everyone who comes to me and hears my words and puts them into practice, I will show you what they are like. They are like a man building a house who dug down deep and laid the foundation on rock. When a flood came, the torrent struck that house but could not shake it because it was well built. But the one who hears my words and does not put them into practice is like a man who built a, a house on the ground without a foundation. The moment the torrent struck that house, it collapsed and its destruction was complete. Friends, if you have decided to follow Jesus, you are a part 
of his mission. You are a priest. You are commanded to make disciples and to teach these disciples to obey Jesus' commands, including that command to make disciples. This great commission to make disciples applies to me. It applies to you. It applies to every single follower of Jesus. Over the past few years, I've become more and more excited to see more and more churches shift the focus back onto Jesus' command to make disciples. We have realized that if we make disciples who make disciples, the kingdom of God will advance faster and faster and further and further. The church in Iran is a glorious testimony to that. As persecuted disciples are quietly making disciples who are quietly making disciples. And the church in that nation is currently the fastest growing church in the world. At a recent gathering of church leaders, I was vividly reminded that God is raising up an army, an army of ordinary people like you and I. What happened in the early church is happening again. The Lord is restoring our sense of commission. The disciples of Christ are recommitting themselves to making disciples. I am excited to see that this is happening amongst us. More and more of us are recognizing Christ's call on our lives to make disciples. And we're taking steps forward, learning to make disciples. It's a journey, but we've started that journey and we're continuing on that journey. I truly believe that the Lord is speaking to all of his people about this. Please, let's hear him. Know this. You are not part of the church by accident. God has put you here. He's put you where you are on purpose, with purpose. And you are not just part of a church to fill a seat at meetings. God has put you here. He's put you there to serve on his mission team. You are called to serve Jesus as a priest and as a disciple maker. This is why the question, the title of this message must be asked. Why not me? Why not you? Why not him? Why not her? As I prayerfully reflected on this big question, I could only think of two reasons why God wouldn't use you or wouldn't use me to make disciples. The one reason is if we refuse to believe him. And the second reason is if we refuse to obey him. If we believe him, if we obey him, there is no reason why he should not use you, why he should not use me. So today I want to urge us all, let's believe Jesus. Let's believe his commission and let's obey him. Let's say yes, Lord, to his command to make disciples.
I know that this is a strong message. And I'm pretty sure that some of us are still wrestling, particularly with personal doubts about this commission. Some of us may well be thinking things like, this is surely not for me. I don't know enough. I'm not trained enough. I'm not one of those outgoing people. Surely this is not for me. The truth is, many of us, probably most of us, can think of good reasons why we are not suitable for the call to disciple-making. Many of us can look at ourselves and conclude that we just don't have what it takes to be a disciple-maker. Now, please hear me. I am not asking you to deny your weaknesses, to pretend they are not there. They are real. But I am asking you to hear your questions being answered by the scriptures. Please listen carefully. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 from verse 27. God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are so that no one may boast before him. Friends, God has a way of choosing people who you and I would probably not choose. So if you would not choose yourself, don't put that on God. Your weakness will show off His power. How do you picture Paul as a preacher? What picture do you have in your mind as you imagine Paul preaching? Do you perhaps picture a, a big man with a big voice and a commanding presence? Well, listen to his description of himself as he preached in Corinth. 1 Corinthians chapter 2 from verse 1. When I came to you, I did not come with eloquence or human wisdom as I proclaimed to you the testimony about God. For I resolved to know nothing while I was with you, except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. I came to you in weakness, with great fear and trembling. My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power, so that your faith might not rest on human wisdom, but on God's power. I wonder if that changes your picture of what it must have looked like to see Paul stand up and preach. I hope that encourages you. In addition to that, listen to what some of Paul's critics said about him. 2 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 10. For some say, his letters are weighty and forceful, but in person he is unimpressive and his speaking amounts to nothing. Ouch! Imagine getting that as a review. Friends, we need to change our thinking about what a disciple maker looks like. They are ordinary people. 
The big difference is that they are following an extraordinary God. Let's shift our thinking from our weaknesses to God's power. Let's remember that God delights in using small people to do great things. Let's not put our smallness on God. Let's rather let him put his greatness on us. Friends, we have heard our Lord's command again to make disciples and to teach those disciples to make disciples. We have heard his rebuke to those who hear his words but don't obey them. Let's change our minds and our ways today. Let's decide today. Let's commit to obeying our Lord and becoming disciple makers. Why not me? Why not you? I think we know the answer. He wants me to be a disciple maker. He wants you to be a disciple maker. Let's say yes to Jesus.